Hi, guys. This is Kelly from Boston. Love the podcast. I just recently watched the movie Spiral, and the ending had me feeling a lot of things, and I loved the themes it was talking about. My question for you guys, what was a recent horror movie you watched that moved you in some way, whether it made you cry, whether it just touched on things that you just related to so much you forgot to be scared. Um, Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much for the great podcast, guys. Thanks, Kelly. That's a question I never would have imagined even thinking about in terms of horror. Not that it's not relevant at all, but it's definitely something that not only have I been trying to think about since before recording, but I'm also going to defer to Megan and Zena so I can buy myself some more time. How about you? <laughs> I think it's a good question. There's definitely been horror movies over the years that have made me cry, like certain moments, you know, in Pet Cemetery being an obvious one or the dog and the fly too oh. being another. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as a movie as a whole, um, the relic or not the relic relic this this year's relic oh, uh, yeah just was a very personal movie for me i actually watched this at sundance and you know you go to a film festival and these movies are premiering so you don't really have any kind of idea of what you're getting into ahead of time and so you know i didn't know anything about it other than it's a midnighter that's premiering and i'm covering it for for bloody disgusting and to set uh, I guess more of a background on this one. I had just lost my dad when I saw this movie. Um, oh. He got sick. He got really sick on Thanksgiving. And then from then on until basically the beginning of the year, it was a fast deterioration to pancreatic cancer. So this movie was like being seen. I mean, if if anybody doesn't know what Relic is, it's basically an Australian um, horror movie by Natalie Natalie Erica James and she this was her feature debut and really it's a kind of about Alzheimer's or dementia mm-hmm. um three generations of women they come to this house where they were basically it's Emily Mortimer she brings her daughter daughter Bella Heathcote and um and grandma had been missing and then she mm-hmm. shows up out of the blue and she's not normal and something's really off and you don't really know what's going on Um, until the end, like the final moments of this movie is so moving. Like the entire theater at at Sundance was basically choked up. Mm -hmm. And for me, like the, even though my dad, it wasn't dementia, it was a lot of the familiar beats of losing someone to illness and, and how you stop recognizing them. Um, because the illness is taking over and, and they're not really them anymore. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I basically like was a little teary tried to hold my shit together in the theater and then once I got back to the hotel room I freaking fell apart but at the same time it was cathartic in a way because I mean it's saddening and comforting to know that we're not alone these are shared experiences even though the illnesses may be different they're you know, they, I, I'm not alone. Somebody else has been through and many people have been through this. In fact, mm-hmm. like uh, Kim Fall wrote a piece about this movie when it was released on BOD earlier this summer. She had um, lost her dad to, to this very same illness and it was a really beautiful piece. So, yeah, for me, Relic. That's so beautiful, Megan. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you.
Yeah, thank you. And I'm not going to follow that. So, Zena, you follow <laughs> Yeah, that. like, I, now I, oh, my God. <laughs> um, well, a couple have, have, you know, a couple of movies came to mind for me. Uh, I guess I'll first start off with uh, Prom Night from 1980. Well, I've always uh, really liked this movie. And I love the fact that, you know, spoiler, you know, but this movie's like 40 years old. Um, yeah. Just the love that this brother had for his sister and what he was willing to do. Um, it, it's heartbreaking because it stuck with him for years and it was just eating away at him. And maybe if he would have received the the help that he needed, like even if, it, even if he just was talking to someone, um, it, things would have been different for him in his life. So for those of you who haven't seen Prom Night, it's basically, it starts off with these kids, they're playing in this abandoned building and there are these uh, two twins. They're like twins, brother, sister. And uh, well, one of the, like an older sister, she goes home, which is Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh, the little sister, she decides that she wants to play. The little brother kind of leaves her. Somehow she falls out the window and, and she dies like instantly. And it was because of these kids. And so then the brother, he's probably like, what, eight years old at the time, between eight and 10 years old. He kept that with him, you know? He, he knew what happened. And he knew what happened to him to the little girl because everyone else, they didn't know. They kind of just assumed that, you know, she was playing and she fell and, you know, they thought that she was alone. So just seeing that. And I, you know, I have brothers and I know how much my brothers love me. And so it's just like, oh, my God, that's just kind of sweet. Not sweet that he was like, you know, slaughtering people. Um, <laughs> but tragic. <laughs> yeah, Very it was tragic. More tragic. And then, of course, you know, uh, everyone's always talking about uh, Pet Cemetery from 1989. And, it, of course, that is just like, oh, my God. And, you mm. know, I don't have kids, but I could not ever imagine, you know. But I really, there's just something about the sequel that always gets to me uh, with the boy and his mother and just his love for his oh. mom. Just seeing that. And then uh, The Orphanage is another one from 2007 that, that comes a, to mind. Yeah. That one ruined my life. I mean, it's it's a beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful movie. Um, that one I actually will not spoil. I won't say anything about that one. If you haven't seen that one, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Also, I Am Legend comes to mind. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. His his life was just it was very sad. Um, and then last, Before I Wake from 2016, I believe it yeah. came out. That's yeah. just a very beautiful. It's like one of like just a very beautiful horror movie and uh but it's also very sad when you you know sit back and you think about it but truth be told i don't always go for those kind of movies because and not even trying to sound like immature but i don't really <laughs> like i i don't like feeling that way too often um even when i do watch something like that because i remember last week i was telling you guys about Monsterland, and i had to space that out when i was watching that one for sure um, yeah yeah so one. but yeah yeah okay john it's, it's your world now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt the ending of Sleepaway Camp too closely mirrored my own experiences at camp. So... Like, as in final frame of Sleepaway <laughs> Camp yeah. was relatable for you, or... Yeah, no, it, it was really it was really awkward to be caught that way. I don't <laughs> know how else a person... Oh, God. If you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, I'm not going to ruin it for you now, and now you have to see it, and then just imagine that that's me. That's or don't, Peggy. don't do don't. that at all. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I don't really have any specific movies. Really, for me, my bigger issue is just stuff with kids. 
And before, so before I was a parent, I it didn't flinch, didn't make any difference if there was kids involved, whatever. You know, like like you said, like pet cemetery. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, well, that was a stupid move by the dad. Why would he do that? Now, mm-hmm. as a parent, I still think that was a stupid move by the dad because yeah. I don't want my kids to come after me after they've been resurrected. But <laughs> I just have a hard time. I don't know what it is, like just something like flipped in my brain or my heart or whatever way you want to look at it. And like, I just don't like kid based horror. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it's difficult to watch. And it's not to say that it's not good. It's not to say that it, it can't be beautifully done and that the, chil- the, the, the child actors can't have been amazing at their parts. Mm-hmm. Right. As I've stated several times on this, like I like 80s and cheesy and comfort watches and that's just mm-hmm. not, it's not comfort watch to me just because i feel that parallel too closely and i don't feel that necessarily with a lot of things in horror but it's pretty much like if kids exist and they're a pretty integral part of the plot and it's they're trying to play it really serious like uh, especially if there's like any abuse involved or anything like that i'm like i'm out Can't yeah do it. don't <laughs> like it's just like no like that's like, that's just sad to me more than anything else, you know, like, which isn't to say that that's not horror because it is. Right. Horror is horrifying mm-hmm. and, and, and horrible. It's just not me. Like, I just, I would just rather watch something else where I don't have to feel any sort of personal connection or investment whatsoever. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. fair. We all have different boundaries when it comes to, I mean, really everything, but horror. So, right. you know your boundaries. That's fine. All right. Call two. Hey, gang. It's Ryan. And I'm from Erie. Not Indiana, Pennsylvania. So I get to celebrate horror and Halloween all year round. Yay, eerie. My question. Since Bloody Disgusting TV is so awesome, I've been watching it all month, basically now you guys are just about one or two steps away from being programming executives for the channel. So, if you were in control and could turn any horror movie into a TV series on Bloody Disgusting TV, that hasn't already been made into a horror series. What movie would you turn into a TV series and who would the lead stars be? Love the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, my answer is very convoluted and a tangent. So once again, I'm going to hand off to Zena and Megan. Zena, why don't you start us this time? Okay. Well, two automatically came to mind for me. Uh, the first one, the supernatural slasher tourist trap from 1979. I could cool. so see that. I just as... watched that. It's so great. I'm sorry. No, I know, but I'm not going to talk about it this week. I'm going to talk about it next week. Okay, awesome. <laughs> well, first, it has that creepy soundtrack that it just rocks mm. my existence. But I really do feel that, you know, seeing like the demented, like roadside museum owner and his like evil mannequin attacking tourists, you know, at the side of the road and stuff. And I don't know. I, I just see that as that it could be a series. I think it could be about eight episodes, you know? know. (laughs) You just got a specific. Cool. It airs on Thursday nights. But yeah, um, that's (laughs) that's the first one. Uh, The second one, and I'm I'm not too sure who I would cast in it, truth be told. Sarah Paulson. The answer is Sarah Paulson (laughs) for everything horror related. She would be awesome. Sarah Paulson and Tony Collette. (gasps) She could be the roadside, like the the new owner of the museum. You just gender switch it. Yeah. Yeah. See, look at that. Um, Then the other one, I'm going to go with uh, the South Korean uh, movie Thirst from 2009. Oh, so it's like that one. I feel that that could be ten episodes, and that we could do a bonus episode. That's a Q and A. 
A Q and A. I love this. <laughs> so that's 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 all I have. What about you, Megan? I went in a similar kind of vein because I thought that either Urban Legends or House of Wax, like the 2005 Ooh. movie, would make really good um, like slasher series because they've got a little bit more of a twist to them. Yeah, I just love I love the Wax Town setting in 2005, and then Urban Legends. You could actually dice like dig into more of those Urban Legends, um, and then I thought that the Howling, but. <gasps> I went in a very specific direction with this because a lot of the sequels are kind of terrible, but I think it's part five that, yeah, it's five, where they're in like a castle and it's a werewolf Mm -hmm. mystery. I would like to see that, but obviously better polished and with a bigger budget, um, play out like over a series of, you know, a werewolf whodunit. And I just, I, you know, but, but make it more howling-ish. So, Yeah. That's what I would go with. I don't know about cast either. I mean, I throw out Clancy Brown because I love him and he's such a character that just put him in any of the shows and it'd work. Yeah. Um, and then if you're going the slasher route, then Lulu Wilson. Oh, I, I mean, love she kind her. Of, yeah, she lo- she's in horror a lot and she proved her, you know, kind of final girl chops with Becky. So, I mean, <laughs> other than that, yeah, I'm with Zena. I don't really know. So what about you, John? Let's Let's have the tangent. <laughs> well, I actually came up with a real answer while you guys were talking. You inspired me. Uh, <laughs> Motel Hell. I Ooh. think when you once you mentioned Tourist Trap, I'm like, oh, Motel Hell could totally work. Like, especially, I mean, I think it'd have to be a limited run, but they yeah. could totally dig into the garden more, yes. no pun intended. <laughs> but like the first one in there and like, you know, just to the end, like you could yeah. just do a limited release. Um and then uh, when you said the howling, I was thinking Pumpkinhead might work too. Oh, oh totally. Gosh, yes. Like you could totally have it thrown, but you you need to bring back Lance Hendrickson mm-hmm. for me because I love Lance Hendrickson and just about everything that he's in anyway. Like I'll watch Hellraiser Hellworld just for Lance Hendrickson. Oh. Um, or throw Tony Todd in there. Why not? Yeah. Or Clancy Brown. Or yeah, like we'll any of the Cl- gravelly voiced. We'll have all of these bloody, disgusting TV shows, and Clancy Brown will be the through line in all of them. Perfect. He can be like our crypt keeper. Yeah. Well, uh, that's too mortuary collection, probably. Oh, that's true. It's retreading the tire too much. Yeah. So my my tangent my tangential not an answer. It was more. My bigger concern with doing anything like this is I I don't like backstory in horror. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain. Well, I don't like an explanation. So, like, I was rewatching Scream this week, and it, it, it's that line towards the very end, like, when they're asking for motive, and he's like, did, did they ever tell us why Hannibal Lecter ate people? Don't think so. Do you ever find out why Norman Bates, like, whatever? Nope. And it's like, well, <laughs> not when this was filmed. Right. But then Hannibal Rising came out. And they had to explain it to us. And then the Bates Motel uh, TV series came out, and they explained it to us. And then uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween came out, and he had to explain to us. Like, <sighs> I don't like taking, I don't like taking the mystery out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. Like, you're literally shining a light into the shadows, and we don't need that. Like, for me personally, it doesn't make it scarier. It doesn't make the character more complex or rich or anything like that because I don't need them to be sympathetic. I don't need the bad guys to be sympathetic. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's it's almost more conflicting to me to see that, especially, like, in the new Rob Zombie Halloween movie. I was kind of like, 
all right, you know, lots of evidence that you grew up in an abusive white trash home. And then it's like, okay, so then I just didn't know how to feel about him. I'm like, well, am I supposed to be supportive of his choices to be a mass murderer mm-hmm. or not? But in the same breath, like I get what you're saying for human type characters, but I think you have to have some kind of exposition for supernatural based things because that's part of world building. Well, I was watching Cloverfield too. Yeah. And Clover the original Cloverfield. Right. And I I also you know, when we first watched it, my wife and I, like, in the theater, we totally thought it, it came out of the ocean because, like, that's what HUD mentions is that it's the ocean. You never know what could have came from. And then all of a sudden it turned into a space thing. And I, I personally would love the idea that, like, underwater actually was part of the Cloverfield universe. Yeah, I would love that, too. Yeah. Underwater horror is so – and I know – we talked about this a few episodes ago, like with uh, Deep Star Six and Leviathan and there was and the Abyss and there was that kind of a blip in underwater horror in Hollywood. But I'd love to see more of it. It's so terrifying. People need to show like, up and watch horror. it, though. So, yes, yeah, do it, please, true. because I agree. People show up and watch it. Yeah. And watch it on. Uh, and when it happens, watch it on Bloody Disgusting TV. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of which, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as the lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. <laughs> and I'm John. I'm really congested because October is winding to a close, so my body finally said, okay, now you can get sick. You can have a cold and be all stuffy, so I'll try and limit those noises on this episode of the podcast. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope that your week has been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table for the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making three of us smile right now, especially as we lead up to Halloween this weekend. And maybe there'll be things that make you smile too. So Zeno, it's been filling your heart this week. So, um, I checked out Dress to Kill on Hulu from 1980. <laughs> and uh, this one has been on my list to check out for a long time. And it was a first time watch for me. I've been putting it off. I'm not going to lie. Um, sometimes with Ryan De Palma movies, sometimes it's a hit or miss for me. So, um, yeah. So this one is about a mysterious blonde woman kills one of her psychiatrists psychiatrist's patients and then goes after the high class call girl who witnessed the murder so i know that this is like a considered a thriller but i feel like it's also a slasher as well and i feel like it's a it's a very satisfying like movie where they i feel like they tie everything up like usually if something ends and i'm just like well wait what what about this what about that you know you just have these questions um, but no, I didn't have that at all. I feel like it's, in, it's intense, but at the same time, it's still like dreamy, like, you know, um, it, it's still, it manages to keep the viewers engaged because it's crazy because it's a little bit trashy, mm-hmm. but then it's a little bit classy, you know, <laughs> so they, classy it's like the, the, the perfect little marriage. And I love the fact that it pays homage to, um, a couple of classic movies so yeah, it, it kind of uh made me want to go back and just like rewatch some of uh the Palmas other movies as well that I feel like I've been kind of holding off on. Yes. I recommend yes. that too. He's got some great ones. Yes. I was thinking about checking out Body Double next. Ah. So we'll see. 
Uh, then the next one, this one is kind of like a comfort watch for me. Um, I checked out this movie called A Grandmother's House. I actually own it on DVD. I don't think that it's streaming anywhere. Um, it came out in 1988. And after the death of their beloved father, two teens go to their grandmother's house in California and begin to suspect their grandparents of murder. Dun, so, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so I know like it, it probably sounds like the visit from 2015, perhaps, you know, was inspired by yeah, this. Yeah, well, this, this was 1988, so. Right, right. So, you know, maybe the visit was inspired by this one. But this is the kind of movie, don't get me wrong, it was made in the 80s, so it is a little bit of cheesiness to it. Um, but, you know, just picture this. There's this like Victorian mansion type of house in the middle of nowhere. And there's like a mysterious woman who just keeps on popping up. There's bodies that you just, what is that doing there? You know? Um, and then there's like these grandparents and they're creepy. Like they're creepy for no reason during the daytime. And it's just like. <laughs> during, during the daytime. At night it'd be fine. During the daytime, right, don't be During creepy. the daytime. It's like, we're, we're at the pool, Whole grandma. Level. You know? It's like a different <laughs> level. <laughs> but uh, Brink Stevens, uh, she's in this one. She actually plays uh. this mysterious, you know, kind of disturbing woman. And, you know, one thing with this movie, I really, I remember I watched it like when I was a kid. But you you know how it is. Sometimes you, you can't remember the title. You don't really remember who was in it, but you just remember a particular scene. And then yeah. when I just popped it in, you know, I just, you know, put in the DVD one night and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, because I haven't checked it out in years. Like I've always just had the DVD. But, um, yeah, I feel like uh, even with the director, he Peter Rader, I believe his name is. He also directed Escape to Witch Mountain in 1995, starring Elizabeth Moss. So uh -huh. you see a young Elizabeth, you know, um, that movie was my jam back then when I was in third grade. But yeah, um, point is, I had a really great time with this, just rewatching this movie. It's been a while and it just kind of reminded me why I, I love it. It's a little bit of, again, a little bit of cheese. There's a little bit of mystery to it. And uh, overall, it, it has like an awesome soundtrack. So it just made me feel happy and fantastic. Yay. That's awesome. I need to check Thank that you. one out. How about you, Megan? I start off with clarifying last week we talked about i know what you did last summer so i had to do some sleuthing um, <laughs> so you're not crazy i mean you are crazy but probably not for this <laughs> um so i still maintain that david egan is a red herring in the sense that they've got this whole creepy distract like distracting scene with Anne hache that makes you feel like it's connected and it is and it isn't so like ben willis was out to get them simply because he was the one that they hit and he survived. But he was there because he murdered David Egan. So that's the connection. So, yes. Hey, Megan. <laughs> I totally accept that. And I'm almost positive that I Know What You Did Last Summer is available on Amazon in November. Ah. So I will be watching it again. I mean. And taking notes. It's not going to change that Julie is still the, the worst final girl ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, that. I just wanted to clarify that you weren't crazy. But Thank yeah, you. I don't feel like I need to revisit this movie for a while. <laughs> uh, and then I watched Death Dream, which is also <gasps> Dead of Night. I love which, this movie. Yeah, okay, it's so good. And I feel like it probably doesn't come up in conversation enough or really. Um, but it's on Criterion Channel. And it was released in 1974. 
Um, it follows a family affected by their son who went off to Vietnam War and he died. Except then he shows up after he died and things get weird. Um, it's from director Bob Clark, who did um, Black Christmas and mm-hmm. produced uncredited popcorn, one of my favorite slashers ever. Although this is more in line with Black Christmas uh, in terms of like kind of atmospheric tone and style. It's very like a monkey's paw type situation, but with zombies, you know, the mom is so desperate to have her son back that she gets that, but it's not in the way that she wants. And it's just this really effective kind of um, post-traumatic stress disorder metaphor and and the effect of, of a loss on a family, you know, when their son dies in combat. So it's really good. I highly recommend it. Very atmospheric. Yes. And then... I got an HBO Max uh, trial subscription so I could watch The Witches and found a show that I had not heard of at all called The Third Day. Oh, yeah. uh, I I hadn't heard of it. And it's only six episodes long. It's a limited miniseries uh, that actually, I guess, started and ran last month, like September. And it's basically a folk horror show. It stars Jude Law, and he show you know winds up on this island that you can only get to on a road that wash. It's a very long, windy road, and it washes out multiple times a day through the tide, so you can't access this island half the time. Um, and obviously, things are very weird, and the people there are very weird, and they're preparing for a festival. Um, <laughs> and it's it's kind of like. You know, Flicker Man and Midsummer had a baby, and it's this crazy HBO show, and it's only six episodes, and then halfway through, the perspective shifts, and then Naomi Harris's character kind of takes over, and, and you get more insight into this. T- it's so good, though. I am a sucker for folk horror. I don't know why not like this show just kind of flew under the radar, uh, especially with the cast. But I like it. I highly recommend it. And it's only six episodes. So, you know, no commitment there. Um, And then last but not least was not something I watched, but something I did. Um, Mixtape Massacre is a board game that's based. Well, they have a series of board games, but the core Mixtape Massacre board game is like you play as an archetypical monster or slasher villain. And you're trying to it's almost clue-like in the way that the board's laid out and you're trying to get to all the different places in this tall oaks town and collect body parts and then avoid each other or you have to brawl to the death. It's fun. Um, and they're usually doing the con circuit about now, but obviously pandemic has changed it. So they've this is the second month in a row that they've done a virtual night. So you pull up their YouTube and you watch and they'll like cut to really cool videos of like slasher stories and then it changes the rules and yeah it's just Mm. like this super fun game night where you play along with them and they throw new wrenches into your plan and I totally lost when I played but I had fun (laughs) and so I you know I'm sure they'll do stuff like this in the future I thought I saw on their YouTube um chat that they're planning on releasing this so that you could you know do it at your leisure but uh yeah I recommend just having that board game, especially now. We, we need more entertainment. We so, do. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. That's what I did. What would you do, John? Oh, it's funny you say that. Uh, I actually played a board game this week, too, for the first time in a long time. The horror version of Trivial Pursuit. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I learned very quickly that I am not up on my TV horror trivia. 
I kept getting Buffy the Vampire Slayer questions, and it was just <laughs> killing me. Every time I was up to get a game piece in the monster section, it was a Buffy question. I'm like, what the hell? And then finally, my wife's like, oh, it's not a Buffy question. Awesome. Vampire Diaries. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Um, but it's a re- it's a really fun game if people haven't seen it, the, the horror version. It's definitely challenging. Like, there's... We did okay. We each got two pieces before, you know, like the drinks had kicked in and we ended up just watching Evil Dead 2. But it's it's also kind of fun because, like, you don't realize it's always interesting to see, especially if you consider yourself a fan of anything. Yeah. How big of a fan are you? Yeah. Now, I'm positive you two would destroy me at this game. I don't know. We should play it. We should. That'll be fun. Uh, See, Patreon, Patreon rewards. Yeah, we do our game night. We'll do a video game night sometime, there whenever that go. happens. <laughs> but anyway, but it's very fun. I've I've seen some people talking about it uh, online, and yeah, if you're even a casual horror fan, I think you'll have a good time with it. Probably as much as you would with regular Trivial Pursuit, at least, if not more. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, to my format, classics. Um, I watched a lot of movies this week, so I had to narrow it down. But this week, I decided to go by far the oldest movie I've watched in a long time. 1959's The House on Haunted Hill on Amazon. classic. Vincent Price plays eccentric millionaire Frederick Lauren, who, along with his wife Annabelle, have invited five people to the house for a haunted house party. Whoever stays in the house for one night will earn $10,000. As the night progresses, the guests are trapped within the house with an assortment of terrors. This one is a, this is a classic. It's a classic because it's Vincent Price. Right. And it's the first adaptation of The House on Haunted Hill. And there are, I would say there's at least a couple of genuinely scary scenes in it. To me. Like, the, uh, what, what they do with the female caretaker. Oh, is, yeah. She's pretty that's a, that's terrifying. That's iconic kind of jump scare. Yeah. And uh, the scene that's outside the window that they never address how that worked is actually really scary, but they don't like explain it at all. And I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Like if you're not a huge fan of horror movies from the 50s or 60s or Vincent Price or anything else, you can also watch the Rift Tracks version on Amazon. I feel like that's a rotten thing to do to this movie. It's like it's a classic William Castle but fair, they also did fair. it for Tourist Trap. I haven't seen the Tourist Trap one. Oh, they did. Um, yeah, I know. I kind of want to go rent that on Amazon <laughs> just to see. Uh, but it, it's a, it's just it's a fun. It's a short watch. The movie's like seventy minutes, yeah. seventy five, and actually goes by really quickly. Uh, just classic nineteen fifties Vincent. It's it's pure Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, like I, I recognize some of the other actors, but. I, w- I would watch it and rewatch it just for Vincent Price's performance. Slashers. 1998's Halloween H2O on Amazon or on AMC+. I haven't seen this one since I saw it in the theaters, so this one surprised me a little bit. Ignoring the plot points of the previous three installments, <laughs> H2O is a direct sequel to the first two films and follows a post-traumatic Laurie Strode, who's faked her death in order to go into hiding from her brother, Michael Myers who finds her working at a private boarding school in California. So I just saw a list today calling Halloween H2O the third best Halloween movie. 
out of the the 10 movies including the rob zombie remakes um halloween one and two being one and two respectively and i don't think i disagree i was i actually forgot how convoluted the halloween's uh uh timeline was like it was genuinely confusing when i was trying to go through and figure some stuff out like so i forgot that halloween h2o retconned it like (laughs) And so I didn't realize how many times Halloween has retconned itself within its own timeline. Which is why it's kind of funny that, you know, it was such a huge distinction for Halloween 2018 that it's like, it's retconned and ignoring everything. Well, yeah. this, this series does that. <laughs> I mean, personally, I didn't think, I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Myers being Laurie's brother. And depending on what version of the movie you see. So it actually doesn't bother me that they took that out in yeah. the new versions. There's because there's actually one line that bothered me in H2O. Besides the fact that they deal a lot with just mostly teen angst in the majority of the movie. It's like the, the 90s slasher cycle, the yeah. teen slasher yeah. cycle, yeah. Then Michael Myers shows up to do a one-arm pull-up, and it's pretty much over. And that's about <laughs> it. But the thing that bothered me was when, uh, um, when Laurie realizes that Michael Myers is there. And uh, her boyfriend or whatever is like, what's wrong? Or who is it? And her answer is my brother. Like, I don't believe it. I don't believe she would say that. I don't believe that after 20 years of being afraid of him coming back, she's so quick to call him her brother as opposed to like the devil or just him. Like I told like, no, like you would totally distance yourself from that. I don't believe that, that (laughs) she's become a pill popping alcoholic. And she's like, oh, that's my brother, Mike. He's back. Yeah. The thing I've been most afraid of my entire life. Um, but other than that, like, it, the performances are all good in it. Like, as mm-hmm. far as slasher movies are concerned, as far as Halloween movies are concerned, I didn't think there was actually any bad acting in it. Like, LL Cool J is a, is a lot funnier than I remember him being <laughs> in his performance as a security guard. Like, it's not bad. Like, I thought what they ended up doing with Halloween Resurrection, it definitely when you watch Halloween Resurrection, it definitely feels set up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. The ending, you're setting it up for that. Although I don't understand in Hollywood Resurrection, they just ignore Josh Hartnett's character. <laughs> like, we're just going to yeah. move past him. <laughs> because I think, because also didn't Lori have a daughter in an earlier, ver- it's it's such a con, it's such a But that's part of the retconning of, you know, because Jamie Lloyd, that whole arc, yeah. the previous, yeah, that, that's yeah. a, yeah. It's all, it's very confusing. So as a standalone, I actually think Halloween H2O works just well, just fine by itself. If you even understand the the Halloween lore even a little bit, I I think you're good going into it. You don't need to watch a lot of other episodes or shows before watching it. So I enjoyed it. I was happy with my, my choice. Good deal. And last one, phone footage. Devil's Pass, which I rented on Amazon. This was actually from uh, someone who had uh, asked if I'd seen it on Instagram, and it had been a few years, so I decided to go back and watch it again. Five Oregon college students set off to find out what happened to the nine hikers who mysteriously died in the Det... Uh, Detlov? Yeah. In the Detlov Pass incident, which happened in the uh, Ural Mountains in 1959. So it's So this is a phone footage movie based on something that actually did happen in 1959 in which I think, so it was nine hikers and they were all experienced hikers. They were found in the Ural mountains. They had left their tents. Uh, 
in freezing weather without being fully clothed. A couple of them had died from clear, like, uh, like being beaten to death. A, f- a few others froze. But it's a phone footage movie just trying to follow them and find out what happened, basically. Um, it's, it's a pretty f- solid movie with a kind of weird twist at the end. Like, they kind of wrap things up a little bit odd slash confusing. Yeah. But also in the way where it's like, I didn't expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. That, like, sometimes I appreciate you just kind of going off, like, like with Sleepaway Camp. Take a big sometimes swing. Sometimes I just yeah. appreciate you. Yeah, just go off the rail. Just go for it. Like, like sure, sure there's going to be plenty of people who are going to watch and be like, wait, what now? Like, wait, why'd they do that? Like, that's ridiculous. Or it's just like, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I'm a, you got me. Like, it was a it was a solid enough home footage movie up to that point anyway. So the, the fact that that's just how they decided to put a bow on it is something I'm definitely not going to spoil for anybody. So you can rent it on Amazon. I'm not sure if you can get it anywhere else right now. But uh, no, but solid phone footage movie, all things considered. So quick wrap up of what we watched and where we watched it. So, Zena, what did you watch and where'd you watch it? So, I watched Dress to Kill, and that's on Hulu. And then I watched Grandmother's House, but I own the DVD. I don't believe that that's streaming anywhere, unfortunately. All right. And Megan? I watched Death Dream on Criterion Channel and The Third Day on HBO Max. And I played Mixtape Massacre, which you can go to mixtapemassacre.com if you are curious. Nice. And I watched House on Haunted Hill on Amazon, the original 1959 version. I watched Halloween H2O on AMC Plus. And I watched The Devil's Pass, which I rented on Amazon. Woo-hoo. Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the horror world. Megan, what have we got? We have a Jamie Foxx to play a vampire hunter in Netflix film Day Shift. He is teaming with mm-hmm. Netflix for uh, Day Shift. Uh, he's on board to executive produce and play the Vampire Slayer. He's going to star as a hardworking blue-collar dad who just wants to provide a good life for his quick-witted eight-year-old daughter. But his uh, mundane San Fernando Valley pool cleaning job is a front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires. Um, it's interesting because Chad Stahelski the guy behind John Wick is producing. And um, so I think Tyler Tice wrote the script and with revisions by Shay Haddon, who's behind John Wick chapter three. So basically all of this tells me is that we're getting a probably action horror with some comedy. That's definitely Mm -hmm. going to be heavy on the action, which I'm okay with. If you want to give me John Wick, the vampire slayer, I'm cool with that. (laughs) I actually think that this sounds fun. It's been a while since I've seen Jamie Foxx in a comedic role. You know, he went serious on us for a couple of years, which is understandable. I see it. But, you know, I, I want to see, you know, funny Jamie. So that's all. Well, I was just going to say, because did either of you see the new uh, Jamie Foxx movie on Netflix with him and Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I think it was called Pow- Power. No, I have. I've, I've been meaning to watch that, but. Yeah, I have it. It's 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 pretty. I mean, I'll I can watch Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in probably any movie anyway. Um, and it's set in New Orleans, and I love New Orleans, and I miss New Orleans. Stupid COVID. <laughs> and, it, but it's very beautiful. Like, uh, it's clear that Netflix put the money in a lot along the lines of like Bright, 
it, it, visually it looks a lot like how they did Bright. But it's just interesting, just when you were describing it, that it kind of sounds like he's just kind of taking that more action-y, almost cartoony role. And isn't isn't Marshala Ali still set to play Blade in the remake? As far as I know, yeah. I don't think that, that Marvel's changed their plans. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what their take on or Netflix's twist is going to be. Like, is it how much is it going to parallel a Blade type storyline? I mean, I don't think at all. Considering comedy, other than you have a vampire hunter and it's action based, but I mean, he's got a child. He's mm-hmm. you know has a front working as a pool cleaner like it sounds like there's a lot of humor <laughs> i mean blade is a stoic guy who hates everybody you know <laughs> so i feel like they're probably worlds apart as far as you know this guy is a family man and he just wants to kill some vampires so he can put some cash in his pocket i mean i don't know we'll find <laughs> out won't we so yeah can't wait <laughs> I'm excited for it. Um, Ben Wheatley has been tapped to direct The Meg 2. I think that's a very interesting choice. Uh, Ben Mm -hmm. Wheatley, he directed Kill List, which is fantastic, uh, Mm -hmm. Sightseers, Mm -hmm. A Field in England, which is very hallucinogenic, trippy, High Rise, also weird, and um, Netflix's recent Rebecca, which is probably a more commercial-friendly take on the material. (laughs) Xena's like, "Mm mm-mm. I take it. <laughs> she does not like Rebecca, I'm guessing. Or maybe any of the movies I mentioned. No, just, just I, I watched Rebecca and I wasn't like the a big fan. Fair. Uh, that yeah. A lot of people were not. I didn't mind. I liked it okay. Um, But I think that's probably the thing that makes me think, well, maybe he could do that. Because I think that was probably the more accessible of his movies. Mm-hmm. Whether you like or dislike it. Um, what are you saying? The kill list isn't an accessible movie. I don't think that that's the the same level as like the Meg, uh, which Jason Statham is expected to return, and he's supposed to be having some kind of creative involvement in in the production of this project. But yeah, I just it's he's an, kicking a shark this time. Yeah, well, he roundhouse kicked it the first time, so we got to punch it in the gills or something for, for part yeah, two. Yeah, Superman punch. Just if if we could. Go. All I want is some shark carnage. That's it. I will be happy if you give me some shark carnage. I feel like Megalodon was not hungry enough in in the first movie. <laughs> well, the, he swam by a lot of swimmers. Yeah, and he it should have been like like that. That should have been a buffet. And he that shark. We got issues. So I'll be happy if He's you give picky. me that. I don't care who directs it. To be honest. Um, and then the over the weekend, uh, WB released a 30-minute documentary called Faith and Fear, The Conjuring Universe Behind the Scenes. And that 30-minute footage contained uh, bits from the upcoming Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is scheduled to come to theaters as of now. We'll see if that changes. Uh, June 4th, 2021. Um, and the, the clip... If you want to go to Bloody Disgusting and actually watch this, it the Conjuring 3 portion of the video kicks in very late. It's like the last thing that, that pretty much it wraps up this 30-minute behind-the-scenes type thing. But in it, it was interesting to me because uh, James Wan says in the video, I really wanted Conjuring 3 to get away from the haunted house setup of the first two films. It should be on a whole different level, something that we've never really explored before in the Conjuring world. 
So it's set in 1981, and it tells the story of Arne Johnson, notable for being the first time demonic possession was used as a reason for manslaughter. And so, you know, they're promising a very different experience, not just with the setup, but this is also the first movie in which Juan handed off the directing baton to Michael Chavez, who did um, The Curse of La Llorona. So, yeah, if Mm. you're curious, there is little snippets for The Conjuring 3 in this 30-minute doc. And then, last but not least, um, for, you know, Halloween treat, Epic Game Store has been, I guess, releasing a couple of free games a week uh, this month. And this final week, they are making Blair Witch and Ghostbusters, the video game remastered, available for free. So, as part of their continuing free games, you can grab the two games starting October 29th through November 5th. If you just go to epicgames.com, they're there free. Um, they do have a Halloween sale that's ongoing, so if you want to check out other games. And then um, this week, it's still going on through October 29th till 10 a.m. If you want, you can get Costume Quest 2 and Layers of Fear 2. I actually snagged Layers of Fear 2 because I haven't played it. And I did play the first one, and it was really terrifying. So, And I think Layers of Fear 2 has Tony Todd in it. So, yeah, that's basically three free games. So your Halloween plans are more than set between all of the movies to watch and games. And, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the news. Cool stuff. All right, listeners, your turn. You excited for Jamie Foxx to hunt some vampires? Can't get enough of the Meg? Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. We'll play our favorite message or messages at the top of next week's episode. Please limit yourself to one question or comment per call. Also, as the show finds more listeners and we get more calls, we have to apologize in advance. We just can't play everyone's messages. So finally, if you're anything like us, you spend more than a little bit of time streaming. If you're anything like us, you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, AMC+, and all the other services out there, including Bloody Disgusting TV. To keep your indecisiveness at a minimum, Zena's going to clue us in on what we should be watching. Zena, what's going on? So, tomorrow, October 27th, on Tuesday, Toys of Terror will be available on VOD. So, this is a holiday-themed movie. So, just before Christmas, a family moves into a secluded mansion with a dark past. Don't they? While the adults focus... (laughs) (laughs) The shade. (laughs) No, but I watched the trailer. It looks like it's fun. But still, I mean, you know, we've we've seen that before, though. Okay. Yes. While the adults focus on renovating the place, the bored kids find a toy chest hidden in the attic and are delighted when the toys inside magically come to life. But bizarre events soon begin to take place. As the special day dawns with gifts piled under the tree, the body count rises and the blood starts to flow. Then on, nice. <laughs> then on um, October 28th, on Wednesday, The Craft Legacy will be available on VOD. So this is a sequel to the 1996 film, The Craft. A group of high school students form a coven of witches. Then on the same day, Wednesday as well, Nobody Sleeps in the Woods. Okay, a group of technology-dependent teenagers goes, to, goes, offline, goes to an offline camp and faces a deadly danger lurking in the woods. The poster is a pretty cool poster. It looks like it's from, like, the 80s. Then on Thursday, October 29th, May the Devil Take You 2 will be available on Shudder. Two years after escaping from demonic terror, the young woman is still haunted by, un, by unnatural vision. Uh, the dangers that await for her and her friends increasingly threatening the dark, the figure of the darkness rises to take their lives. 
Again, that'll be on Shutter. And then on Friday, October 30th, Spell will be available on VOD. While flying to his father's funeral, an intense storm causes us an intense storm causes a man to lose control of his plane, which is carrying himself and his family. He awakens wounded, alone, trapped in Miss Eloise's attic, who claims she can nurse him back to health with the boogity. A hoodoo figure she's made from his blood and skin. That is gross. Like, <laughs> like, come on. But okay, obviously, unable to call for help, the man desperately tries to un tries to outwit and break free from her dark magic and save his family from the sinister ritual before the rise of the blood moon. So, I mean, I love that those kind of like voodoo-y type of movies. I know. I- so, I feel like it's an unexplored kind of subgenre. Yeah, like it's, man, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it just, it looks like it's going to be really good. So I'm excited about that one. And then also coming out on Friday, Come Play. It'll be available on VOD as well. This is based off of a short uh, film that was released in 2017. Parents fight to save their son when a mysterious creature uses electronic devices to break into our world. And then the last one, his house will be on um, Netflix. A couple struggles to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil that has evil lurking under beneath the surface. And I don't know if you guys checked out the uh, the director's uh, short movie. He directed this movie called Tickle Monster and from like 2016. Oh my gosh, it. it's so good! Like, um, I have to check it out. Yeah, I, I think it might be on YouTube, but I'm not too sure. But it, it's it's a really it's creepy. It's funny, but it's also kind of creepy. So. But yeah, I, so I do want to say that his house has Javier Botet in it, and I am such a huge fan of Javier Botet. Like he does creatures so well, just because of his, his unique physicality. You know, he's been in so, mm. the wreck, the main, mm-hmm. you know, monster essentially at the end. That's him. I, I mean, you think about any recent monster, he's been it, been in it probably. So yeah. It's Which means stuff. that his house is already a winner in my book. <laughs> and that's what we have. And then also, in case you missed it, bloody disgusting TV. Oh, Treat yeah. yourself. Treat yourself. Oh, they they should have a bunch of programming for the final two days of the month. Devil's Night and Halloween. So, yeah. Yay. Yay. And that's Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my horror narration podcast, Creepy, wrapping up the 31 Days of Horror. That's 31 straight days of horror narrations. And then I get a long one-day break until we get back into our regular production schedule. Woo-hoo. Hopefully I'll be healed and, and uh, not quite so nasally by then. And don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Help get the show some notice as we roll into the Halloween season. And feel free to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, at BeDisgustingPod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Happy Halloween, everyone. Yay! Yay! And after that or before that, go vote.